Hey everyone, this is Mark, and I just wanted to do a quick intro prior to the intro on this show. Last week when we released the program, it was a show that had actually been recorded much, much earlier than all the news that you're hearing about the coronavirus. And actually, the next several guest interviews you're going to hear coming out in the following weeks were all recorded a few weeks prior to all that news coming out. We were really far ahead in the work schedule, which is usually a great thing. I wanted to mention this, though, because I didn't want anyone to think that that we didn't care or, or that, you know, I'm somehow living in a bubble somewhere and not realizing what's happening worldwide. I'm really sensitive to the situation as well. And, and actually, I'm, you know, just like everyone else, having to adapt on a daily basis in our business and, and life activities. I made the decision, though, that we're going to continue with business as usual, at least on this podcast, because honestly... I think we all need a feeling of stability and and a feeling of of normalcy in our lives. And later, as things settle down, we're all going to want to get back to to life as usual, you know, trying to make the world a better place. And and I hope that these interviews do exactly that for you in some way or some manner, you know, somehow just make your day a little better. If you do have any career-type questions during this time, please feel free to reach out to me as usual. You can look for us online, although you will find we have moved. We have a new home on the web on my recruiting company's webpage. However, you can still contact us via email at markg at whereaccountantsgo.com or, of course, via social media at any time. I'd be happy to help you as best we can with any career-related questions, even with everything that's going on these days. You know, life has to go on. Well, with all that being said, I do want to get back to the show today. I think you're really going to enjoy this guest interview. And after this, as I always say, I promise there's more to come. Zero was just starting to take off in New Zealand at the time and it heard a lot about it. Pretty exciting story and Graham Shaw, who was the chairman at the time, said, well, how do we get you across to Zero? You should come and join this exciting path we're on. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Where Accountants Go podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for this podcast. Well, hey, we have a unique guest for you today. His career has a tremendous amount of variety. He's worked in accounting firms, consulting with small businesses. He's worked at one of his country's largest corporations at the time. And he started his career in New Zealand until not long ago when he moved to Denver to take on his new role. For this episode, we have Ben Richmond, the country manager for the United States for Zero, the born in the cloud accounting software. We're obviously going to talk about Zero as we get later on the program. And if you're a student, you definitely want to listen all the way to the end. They have a new educational fund that you're certainly going to want to know about. But we also are going to cover Ben's early accounting career because I think you'll find it interesting how he was in the right place at the right time, but particularly how he took advantage of those opportunities and learned as much as possible growing throughout the entire process. Ben really really has an interesting career story. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to rate us. You can rate us on whatever podcast app you're using, and the ratings are very important to us because it helps us know if we're on the right track and what you enjoy about the program. Plus, it helps other people find us as well. So please don't forget to do that. We appreciate each and every rating. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started. Here's Ben Richmond, the country manager for the United States for Zero. 
Well, hello, Ben. Welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Well, for the audience, today we have Ben Richmond, the country manager for Zero here in the U.S. on the line with us today. And this is going to be an interesting show. Obviously, we're going to talk about Ben's own career because, you know, that's what our show is all about, highlighting all the different paths that you can take with a background in accounting. But this one's going to be educational as well because you've probably noticed this, but Zero is becoming very popular now here in the U.S. And so I think it's important that we talk about that purely from the standpoint of understanding and knowing what's going on in the small business accounting space. And of course, Ben is a great individual to help us out with that. Well, Ben, before we get into your move to zero just a few years back, let's cover your early accounting career because I think it's important for the audience to understand how that progressed and how you got to where you are today. What led you to consider accounting as a possible career move in the first place? Yeah, it was an interesting one and and probably slightly unexpected. So obviously growing up through school and things, I was probably more started off as a fireman and then moved to a, a lawyer at some point. As a vision, and then really it came from a you know, I had a family that had a background a lot in small business and growing small businesses around New Zealand, and also part of my family that was quite heavy in, into agriculture. So, really, lots of small business in the family DNA. And I always enjoyed being quite entrepreneurial. So, when I was at high school, got the chance to run a small business project where we actually put our local area, built a whole television commercial advertising campaign for the region. We built this great brand for Hawke's Bay Wine Country and it never had really been promoted. So we pulled together all sort of a private local partnership and pulled together all the um, advertising agency, the council bodies the, and some of the key tourist operators to put um, Hawke's Bay on the map. And so at that point was looking more like marketing. And then I suddenly thought to myself when I, when I reflected on all the things my family businesses had that scene go through, you know, my parents obviously went through a, a divorce and an amicable one, but watching them grow the business and always staying really close to that. And watching my mother, who was an amazing person at growing a business and looking after customers and some of my grandfather. But the critical thing I could always see that was their challenge was the, the understanding of the numbers at the foundation and then whether the hard work and the customer focus they had was actually turning out to be balancing, you know, them getting what they needed from it as well. And so out of the side sort of opportunity, the chance to work for a local accounting firm. At the end, I had one more year of school to do, but I actually had already achieved enough grades for university entrance. So I looked at going back to school for the final year or starting off and getting into it at about 17. So I decided I had an opportunity to join an accounting firm as a sort of a cadetship that they would do where you could work for the firm and study at the same time through college and they would fund that. And so I made the bold call to not go and do my final year of school because I had university entrance and go get into the workforce and try this accounting thing on, which shocked my family because they all thought I was going to go into something like marketing or entrepreneurial. But for me, getting a strong foundation and something like that to me is critical to be able to leapfrog and do other things from. So I wanted to start this sort of get into the profession and get the professional qualification. Then over the summer, that firm decided to cancel the cadet program. And so I was sitting up on a beach north of New Zealand, having not signed up for school the next year and going into this account cadetship and the accounting firm had canned it. And that was a pretty, oh my God, moment. (laughs) Came back to Hawke's Bay and started talking to some local accountants. And actually it was the large firm in the town that my family had used a lot was looking for cadets. And so 
quickly got an opportunity to join, which was pretty lucky, otherwise I was going to have to try and get back into school. So I started there, and it was a really exciting time to start at that firm. It was one of the, the probably the cornerstone firms of the region. It had been around for you know probably nearly 80 years in some format. And my great-grandmother had actually worked there as an accountant. She was one of the first accountants to have a professional qualification as a female and get quite high up in the firm, which was quite unique in those days. And so it was kind of exciting. So I started there, and at the same time, the firm was struggling. It lost a lot of its younger talent and its mid-level talent to the bigger cities. Uh, it had about 60 staff and six partners, and it created this really awesome opportunity of sort of sink or swim because they needed help fast as they were under-resourced. And so I probably got the chance to do a lot of things in the firm that someone of my age wouldn't have got. So I did work in audit um, and loved going out. People are always funny about audit, but I actually found it a really good experience because you got to go out onto the client site and actually see the client, work with the client. I enjoyed trying to connect with the client as not just like an auditor to find a mistake, but to actually help them improve processes. So I actually got a lot of um, weirdly enjoyment out of doing that. Also, business advisory, we had some pretty large farming clients that we did a lot of budgeting and forecasting for and helped with the management which was really interesting to see the opportunity for accountants. I could see the opportunity that the accountants had in front of them to do more than just the tax return. Um, and obviously did a lot of tax returns. And I think we were the last firm in New Zealand that still wrote checks. So New Zealand sort of phased checks out in the early 2000s as they went to digital payments. And so we were the last firm still writing payroll checks. So I did a bit of that as well. But it was an awesome opportunity. And I ended up doing about, in three years, full-time work. I did two years of full-time study at the same time. It was actually wasn't as good for your social life. It was a really nice way to do the study and work at the same time because you were learning the theory and putting it into practice at the same time. And so I just learned an incredible amount, got to sort of rise up and get X. I mean, I did the classic fair share of filing and getting partners coffee in the first six months, but quickly was able to position myself. But I think, you know, the partners really trusted me with soft skills to be in front of the client, which was quite unique because generally when you're at that level, you're held in the back room. So was able to sort of break the mould and get some experiences that I probably wouldn't have been if the firm hadn't been in that situation, particularly in the audit department. So that was fun. And then I remember one mid-year holiday party saying to the partner, I think I want to go and and demature a little bit and go to university and and finish off my last two years actually going to college and doing that full-time to build my networks out and have some fun with friends. And they were really supportive of that. And I continued to work with the firm on a contract basis from Christchurch while working. I did a bit bit of work for them in the holidays and contract jobs every now and then, but was able to go down and experience university life to finish off my degree. So what was exciting about that was essentially at the end of five years, I'd been working for this firm for five years had got a four-year degree under my belt, which ultimately led to me getting my professional qualification a year younger than most people usually get. So it was fun getting both the balance and the start. So that's how I started into accounting. And the qualification you're talking about is the chartered accountant? Yeah. So in Australia and New Zealand, they call it a a chartered accountant, which is they've got a reciprocal relationship with our CPA as well. So I just have to do a tax exam in the US and I can get the CPA qualification, but I haven't yet got around to that. Wow. That was an amazing opportunity with that first firm. That yeah, some people would look at that and say, Oh, you know, there's turnover here. This isn't, you know, gonna work out, maybe I should move. But here you made the most of it. Sounds like you worked in every service area that they provided. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, knowing what I do now and reflecting back on it now, it was actually like the ch- I mean, a lot of firms, are, all those departments are quite siloed. So, I mean, they were a great firm. They had a great customer ethos and had been around. And, you know, I had I 
went home for the holiday season, just, just gone and had lunch with all the old team and the partner that I worked for. And the partner, Roger Sinclair, has always been a big mentor and instilled a lot of good sort of life skills in me during that time. But was very supportive of, you know, you need to fly the nest and get out of Hawke's Bay and, and, you know, do something bigger on a national and global scale. So, you know, he was a big part of actually pushing me to go and do the university thing. And he said, the door's always open for you if you want to come back and you'll definitely be partner one day. But I think there's bigger things that you can go and do. Wow. That's amazing. I'm learning a little bit here as well because I had never heard the term cadet. I've had a couple interviews with individuals from Australia, but I guess that just didn't come up. But we tend to use the term intern here, which is, I think, what you mean. Is it the same kind yeah, of role or just it, cadet? Um, uh-huh. Yeah, it's similar to an internship, but essentially you're actually brought on as a paid staff member and you work full time. They'll give you time off to go down and sit the exams and they'll give you some study blocks, time off, but the firm actually funds your study. If you pass, they will fund it. If you don't pass, they don't reimburse you for the paper. And so there's a couple of the big universities that allow you to study essentially extramurally, they call it. So the firm would hire you, you'd work there full time and you could complete your study and they gave you some time blocks off to study and things. But pretty good incentive when if you pass, you get the cost of the paper refunded as well. So that, that was a good incentive to make sure I passed. Wow. That's better than what we call an internship here in the US. <laughs> wow. So something I wanted to ask you about, and I'm sure I'm going to butcher the pronunciation here, but Rakawa Hall Incorporated, I saw this on LinkedIn and it says you were treasurer. And at first I thought, oh, that must be a fraternity. But then I was reading, you know, just some of the bullet points, you know, leading financial turnaround, et cetera, et cetera. Was that a fraternity entity or is that something else? I was curious. That sort of piqued my interest. Yeah, no. So that was the partner that I worked for was one of the things that I was, was always inspired with him for was he did a lot of honorary work for you know not-for-profit entities and, and he'd always found a passion for entities that were doing great things but struggling um, around financial management and so the Rokawa Hall is a, essentially it's in a, a community centre and a, and a catchment, capturement of a rural area around where our family farm was and it was set up to both so the local early childhood education facility used it it was a place where they'd have there were sports facilities there were local social events that were held there so it was really like a a centre point in the community and uh, it had essentially been there for many, many years and a place that anyone had grown up in the region had spent time at. But over time, it, you know, the, the, the use of it, the attendance of it was dwindling. And when I came in, they were, they were looking for a treasurer and so I thought it would be a great chance to give back to the community and walking in on day one, they didn't have enough money in the bank account to pay the next insurance bill. And so we had a big job of not just getting the finances in order and essentially rebuilding a war chest to be able to keep up with the maintenance of it, but essentially reconnecting the community to it because its whole purpose of being there was to be this gathering point for the community, whether it be the you know local young children that use it for early childhood education, whether it be all the social events that brought everyone. And you know, with rural regional areas, people are often quite isolated, so it brings them all together. It was a very powerful tool for that. So through reinvigorating it and getting more events going and and making it much easier for the early childhood provider that was using it to um, get use out of it. We were able to, you know, turn it around. And, and I think when I left it, we had built up a big term deposit of savings. We'd got up to speed with the maintenance of it. And essentially, it had enough money coming out of interest earnings to start funding a lot of the ongoing costs. And we left it with a really good, engaged committee. So it was a really fun project and a nice way to give back. Okay. I just had to ask. Some of the bullet points were rather interesting. And it sounds like you don't shy away from a challenge, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and no, I love turnaround projects and fix-it projects and getting in and getting my hands dirty as well. So. Sure. I'm sure they benefited from it. That, yeah. 
great experience to be walking into that. So it looks like you moved out of public accounting for a little while. It says Telecom New Zealand. I'm assuming that's the telecom provider for the country. You were working with small businesses, moved to a large entity. I guess what caused you to make that move? Yeah, I think this was my chance to move to Auckland, which is the big city in New Zealand. Telecom was the largest company in the country. It had operations in Australia, was the dominant both landline, broadband and mobile provider in New Zealand. And it had quite a large international cable network. So the cables that went from Australia, Fiji, Hawaii, through to the US, uh, we owned and so it was a great chance to get corporate accounting experience. It was also a company that was going through a really fascinating period in the sense that historically it had been government owned that had been privatised but of course with owning all the infrastructure and the retail business it made it very hard for other competitors to come in. It was going through a pretty disruptive period as an industry. Essentially you had the fixed line business was declining as broadband accelerated and we also had a lot of competitors coming in so we ended up having to go through a a structural separation. I think it was New Zealand's largest structural separation to create two stock-listed entities, one that owned the infrastructure around the lines and one which would become Spark New Zealand, which was the ongoing retail provider of telco services. And so it was an awesome time to be at the company. There was just, I mean, it learnt so much. So I started off working in the external reporting division, so I helped project lead our external reporting, which was an interesting, probably the most interesting company in New Zealand to do that for because it was listed on the New York Stock Exchange, it was listed on the Australian Stock Exchange and on the New Zealand Stock Exchange, which meant you had SEC compliance, obviously with it being on the New York Stock Exchange, US GAAP reporting requirements, and then of course we had to require with uh, NZ IFR, International Financial Reporting Standards. So annual report was like a 156-page behemoth because we had to reconcile US GAAP to NZIFRS and it had to be compliant with all of those three jurisdictions. And that was a fascinating experience, which again, I reflect on now coming and working in the US. You know, working for New Zealand's only US-listed company where the headquarters was, was pretty exciting. I got the chance there to also do a bit of commercial finance working in our, our GNI business at the time, which looked after banks for data centres and cloud and telephony. That's where I started to get exposed to a lot of the technology change that was happening. And then it sounds, again, another, my auditing experience came, I got the chance to chair our SOX committee. We had to have full SOX compliance, obviously being based in New Zealand. There weren't a lot of experts around us. Even our auditors weren't used to having to do a SOX audit and would lean heavily on their New York office. And so I ran the lean program across our SOX program. We'd put it in pretty quickly after SOX came in and we'd probably gone over the top with being very conservative and we had control overlap and essentially SOX is about managing risk and making sure you've got all those right controls and reporting in place. And so got the chance to learn about lean and run the lean process across our SOX program, across the wider group. And we were able to take out about 40% of the control program while working with our auditors to get ticked off that we'd actually, checked off, sorry, that we'd actually deliver a stronger risk program. So that was a really fun project. And probably where I first got the opportunity to see that wherever there's a compliance program, particularly where there's risk, people tend to not want to innovate on it out of conservativeness and what tends to happen is the processes each year grow like mould and they get bigger and bigger and bigger and no one really takes a hard look at are they effective are they effectively still achieving what we set out to do and again that would go on later when I think about compliance as an accounting firm service and how there's so much efficiency opportunity and then my last big exciting thing at Telecom was I got on a project that looked at how we did philanthropy and our support for the community around New Zealand and so we would spend about you know in the 20 million plus on charitable donations and programs and we wanted to establish a separate charitable foundation that would 
essentially have a long-term strategy where it could really make a difference around encouraging generosity in New Zealand and helping the next generation of Kiwi kids versus just being a machine gun spray of checks that would go out to various charities. And so we established the Telecom Foundation, which is now the Spark Foundation, and was elected to be the trustee on the board of that, sitting with the CEO of the company and a lot of other high-profile New Zealanders sat on that. And the two big things we did there was we partnered with um, a new digital learning program for schools that really embraced technology, not as the key thing, but as the enabler to helping change the whole values and curriculum around how we deliver education, and particularly in lower socio area schools, which was, you know, Google was a part of that partnership. And then the second thing we did was we acquired a small crowdsourced peer-to-peer fundraising engine and scaled it out to be the, the, you know, the largest engine of for New Zealand where donations and peer-to-peer giving occurred and, and was also a platform for a lot of the charities to do their fundraising. So it was sitting on that board where I met one of the directors of Zero at the time and we were coaching young enterprise students and doing a, a judging session and Zero was just starting to take off in New Zealand at the time and had heard a lot about it. It was a pretty exciting story and, and Graham Shaw, who was the chairman at the time, said, well, how do we get you across to Zero? You should come and join this exciting path we're on. And so we kept in touch for about six months and I had a promotion opportunity sitting for another job in telecom and an opportunity came up to get into Zero and I made the call. It was a bold call at the time. It was very early days in, in Zero and a lot of people at telecom wondered what I was doing, but haven't looked back since. Wow. Yeah, I was curious. It did seem uh, bold was the word you, you used. I, risky is probably probably the wrong word, but I, I was curious to leave the large, you know, corporate entity to move to small business accounting space. And so you hadn't ever used Zero before. At that point, you hadn't used it back in your public accounting days. It just wasn't around at that time, or yeah. had you ever been exposed? No, it wasn't. So in 2006, when it was founded, out of it was just our firm sort of started in Wellington, so it hadn't reached Hawke's Bay at that point. But I started to hear it. I had friends that were starting businesses that were on it. I'd put all my family on the other accounting software, as we'll call it, which you probably know very well in the desktop generation and helped them get set up on that back in my early, early days. And uh, I just took a look at it and I spoke to a couple of my friends that were in accounting firms saying, you know, this, it's really changing the game around how accountants and small business connect and it's embracing this online shift and being you know cloud first and so it sounded exciting it was just starting to grow in New Zealand I think we had just over 200 people when I started um, we just launched into Australia and the UK and so yeah so I was like I'm just sounds and it to me not like it sounds like a plan but I was like it feels like a nice circle both from a passion for small business and seeing the challenges they have from my family to working in public practice and going I could see the immense trust our clients had in us and you could definitely see that there was this opportunity for us to do more for them than just the tax return but we weren't capitalizing it we were only able to capitalize on that opportunity in our really big clients where we could afford to have a whole lot of excel in the process and so seeing the need for small business the position of trust the accountants and bookkeepers were in and the opportunity that they weren't able to capitalize and hearing the story of how Zero had formed itself. Having sat in a big corporate company and looking at what they were doing and going, hey, we've actually got an opportunity here to give small business and accountants better tools than the corporates have and put them together as a team and growing the small business economy as a whole sounds like a really fun fun idea. So, you know, Telecom had been in, I was on the Demerger Finance team that we split the company up. It was a fun project and we'd been in a lot of cost out as we simplified the business and the chance to jump into a growth company that was innovating at pace and changing the game was, I just couldn't uh, give that one up. So I jumped across. Sure. So since you're the country manager for the US now, this is a fair question because we already know that it's worked out. (laughs) What adjustments did you find yourself having to make going from an accountant role to a role that at least 
partially involve sales, if not, I don't primarily maybe, I'm not sure. But what surprised you or I guess what did you find yourself having to learn or get up to speed with? Yeah, so I think it was both the switch from accounting and public practice, but it was also the switch of going from a, you know, dominant incumbent into the fast growing startup and this was, you know, back nearly seven years ago. I could definitely see that Zero had bought this amazing product with this amazing vision together, which I totally bought into and remain addicted today and was addicted on day one to. And so the accounting, knowing the profession and knowing the challenges, I mean, I remember in my firm, I wanted to take our work papers, our compliance work papers that were paper and put them into an Excel macro so that you could dump the trial balance on the front tab and would populate all the work papers. And I tried to roll that out in the firm I was working at and, you know, people were pushing back and I could see the change in just changing a very small process in a, you know, mid to large size accounting firm and how hard that was. So I had this true appreciation for if we're going to transform the profession so they can take advantage of this opportunity, we've got a real challenge on our hand because I've been in one of these firms and change is not an easy thing. Secondly, there was the coming from the big firm that had all the processes were built, all the, you know, there were supporting teams everywhere to being in this company where, you know, one of our core values is ownership where you've got a great idea, own it, drive it, deliver it and run with it. It was a great chance to go, let's put in the build out the smart process that we can see the larger companies have as you scale the business. But it's a good chance that you don't have all the bureaucratic stuff that slows you down at the start. And so building smart process and trying to keep that, so how do you keep the heart of a startup while um, maturing like a big, but having the best of a maturing big company. So learning to run fast and, you know, our founder would always say we're essentially learning to build the engines of the plane as we're flying it when you're growing at that rate um, was definitely a fun and massive learning opportunity. Not having all the processes mapped out, I think, was a big shift. You know, coming from public accounting, there's a bit of a follow last year's file as you do this year's piece of work. And <laughs> we were doing things that hadn't been done before and inventing ideas and ways to take it to market that we hadn't before. And, and so that was, a, again, exciting, but a new challenge. You know, that you, I could see the impact that it was having on small business. I could see the impact it was having on the profession, which I loved and believed had this massive opportunity. And I think one of the things I really enjoyed in getting in the New Zealand business was we'd won all the early adopters, but it was now about taking it to be a grown-up mass market product. And that meant we had to make sure we were being really collaborative and consultative and helping firms and understanding that mass market better. And that's where I really focused on. We took the New Zealand business right from being the who are you guys, are you a photocopier company, to being the dominant the dominant player in the market in New Zealand. And, you know, for me, when I think about sales, I think sales is often a dirty word, but really if you have strong emotional intelligence and soft skills and you have a passion to help people and you believe in the purpose of what you're doing and that you really are just helping people and understanding the challenges. And so I think, you know, there's a lot of accountants out there that want to, that are doing that now and want to do that. They just don't call it sales. And so I think in all my roles, I'd enjoyed helping people, whether it be internal stakeholders and improve processes and simplify things. And so I didn't really feel like sales was a new thing. I think we often brand it as a separate thing. So, you know, we got alongside the profession in New Zealand and helped it ride the wave. And, you know, it's so proud now looking back at some of the successes I've seen in the partners in New Zealand that have taken, that are full cloud firms now, still working with traditional clients that have grown their firms, that are doing more services than they've ever, ever been able to do and having more balance in their life too. I think it's a massive thing like because they've become efficient and connected to the client, they can spread the workload throughout the year. And so it's just, it's fun hearing those soft stories as well as the, the growth stories. Definitely. So at some point you moved from New Zealand to Denver and now you're the country manager for the U.S. I have no idea what 
a typical week or month would look like for the country manager for a major software <laughs> product. How do you spend your time other than doing podcasts, of course? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's never, never a dull moment. And I think, you know, and it's the same thing here in the, in the US. So, yeah, four years into my zero tenure, I think we got the New Zealand business to scale and we've seen the impact it was having. And our US business was just starting to come online at that point. And the opportunity to go and help scale it in the world's biggest small business market was another challenge that really drew me. And there was a lot of noise around the accounting profession here and, you know, being at the start of taking on this journey to going beyond compliance. And it felt, it almost felt like going through the same movie again, but in a much greater scale. And so I jumped up here and yeah, the role, I mean, we have one of the things I've been really proud of in the last few years, nearly tripled our teams in the field that are you know, lots of CPAs that are joining Zero that are out supporting accountants and bookkeepers in our hyper-local communities that we have, doing the same consulting and coaching them and helping them see the benefit of transforming their practice online and what that means that they can do and what that means the extra things they can do for their small businesses. So we have teams supporting small business. We have teams supporting our partners. And there's a lot of work advocating into Zero's global machine for what we need in the US. So, you know, things making sure we've got great book to tax so with the account tax line mapping software will play really well with the tax softwares, making sure that we really solve the unique compliance needs. So there's a lot of stuff that's the same. So for me, it's been a lot of learning the market. So I've been up here for three years now. So it's been an enormous amount of time on airplanes in front of customers, in front of our people, in front of partners to make sure that we bought the best of zero globally to the United States. And then we learned where we had to be different for those local nuances and make sure that we're building to solve those as well. And so a lot of work's been focused on making sure we got those positions and that piece sorted and then building out the teams to go and support small business and accountants and bookkeepers to make this chance. It's incredibly rewarding. Today I'm sitting in a WeWork in Austin, having spent a day with just come from one of our accounting partners and spending a day with our team here in Austin that support community Brad and uh, Chris. So spend a lot of time out still getting into the field, but then a lot of time just you know building out our growth strategies. And one of the biggest challenges we have is at our growth rates, you're constantly having to build for today, but make sure you're also building for the future and keeping up with that fast-paced scale. You know, for those individuals, I'm curious, you know, based on your experience now, for those individuals that are earlier on in their career, the first couple of years, or maybe even finishing the last couple of years at a university, you know, what advice would you have for them based on your knowledge now? Or maybe what would you have done differently <laughs> based on your experience now? Yeah, I think always be curious and, you know, be open to learning new things. I think you've got to challenge yourself and challenge your thinking a lot. I would also, at Zero, we're very big on our, our values and our number one value is human. And then we talk about ownership and champion and challenge and beautiful. So I think, you know, for us, through being open and learning new things, you want to always challenge the status quo because if you're going to innovate in this fast-paced world we're at, it's critical. So working on that mindset is, is super powerful and particularly at the start of your career. And I'd say that, you know, you know and I had the same thing, right, because I moved from a, the New Zealand market where we'd gone from being the startup to the established dominant player to the US business and very easy to rock into a new country and go do it like we did over here and you actually have to spend a lot of time learning and be open to being challenged around what needs to be different. So that would be my first point. Finding great mentors. You know, when I look back on my career so far, having a really great diverse set of personal mentors and role models 
that you can turn to throughout your career. And, you know, I've got people I still seek advice from back in New Zealand. I have mentors I built up in, in the US. And I think when I think about how important mentors are, when I use the word diverse, is you want to find a good, you know, mentors are great. They'll generally give you a lot of advice from their own experience. And so having a few different types of mentors is really important. I had a really strong accounting mentor. I had a really strong business-focused CEO mentor. But then I had quite a, I had someone from a, um, an advertising background that had done a lot of social good and that was a lot more um, creative and thinking and community-minded. And all of those mentors gave me very diverse feedback, which helped sort of balance the lens. I think if you've got one type of mentor, you're getting one lens. So it's really important to have those diverse set. A lot of good points there. Thank you. Thank you. You gave me a lot more than I was bargaining for. So <laughs> that's a lot of good points. Um, well, I end every podcast with the same three questions, and we probably should get to those in, in the interest of time. But last thing before we do, because I want to make sure the audience knows about this. You mentioned something about an educational fund, maybe, that Zero was putting together before we started recording. And I didn't quite catch all the details on that. But do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so we have a huge commitment to accountants and bookkeepers and particularly the profession. And so supporting the next generation of accountants is critical to us. And, you know, to give you a bit of a stat, we have over 2 million subscribers globally and 90% of those are attached to one of our great partners who are their advisors. And so we believe in that connection and we want to help foster the next generation. So we've launched the Zero Forward Fund. And what that is, is 30K scholarship fund. And underneath that, there are three students who will receive $10,000 towards their tuition or any other costs associated with their degree in the United States. Uh, we've asked our accounting partners to nominate students. And so I think we're in March now. So if they go to zero.com, and remember zero is spelled with an X, so that's xero.com slash forward fund. And there'll be information on how the student can register and they can get help finding one of our partners, our great accounting partners in their local area to nominate them. And then three students will get that $10,000 towards uh, their study. So that we've just launched that recently. Um, so make sure you do check that out. That's xero.com slash forward fund. Zero forward fund. Beautiful. Thank you. That's very generous. <laughs> Zero, we, we could always use more, more funds to help pay for college. So. <laughs> Beautiful. Absolutely. Well, I do end every podcast with the same three questions, so better get to those. The first one's usually the easiest. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? Yeah, I think it's a journey we're on here in the U.S., but when I left, you know, having run the New Zealand growth team, and watching, you know, leaving and reflecting on where the market had got to and where the accounting profession had got to from when we started to where they were with their cloud adoption, the growth that we'd contributed to the global company's growth, back the lessons and things we learnt, both good, bad and ugly, that helped us, you know, change the game in other markets all around the world was a really proud moment. In particular, we you know, we built a little team which built out our global agriculture vertical strategy, which we started in New Zealand. And it was such a proud moment to watch us actually help you know, lift the financial literacy of the rural sector by connecting them better with their banks who are you know, big investors in the farms and their accountants who could actually now support them on a real-time basis because farming in New Zealand is such a massive part of the economy. It goes up and down with commodity and weather. And often farmers are sitting, they need real-time support from their team letting them know, you know, where's the plan at and how do we change that? And so, you know, for me, it's super proud to have done that from a small set of rocks in the South Pacific and now to be on the journey here in the United States and seeing our agriculture strategy rolling out aggressively in the Midwest and having the same impact. And, but all of that story sounds great. But the most proudest thing has just been seeing the growth in the people that I've worked for and then have worked with me and the results that we've all achieved together. 
Mm. Well, second question, sort of on the flip side a little bit, tell us about a lesson that you've learned the hard way. And the more you can tell us about the situation, the better, seriously, because that's how we learn. Yeah, I think um, so. people talk a lot about experiential leadership, and it's also a challenge for human nature around how we change and learn. And so you come in having had experience, so as the U.S. countryman at zero, you know, the U.S. is you know, a significant market for us. It's a, it's a big growth opportunity and we think we can have a massive impact here for customers and partners. And coming from the Southern Hemisphere, you're always like, this will be, you know, just I'll be able to do this, this and this and I remember doing this and I can, you know, your experience leads you to think I can just roll that out. And what I learned very quickly was I was going to have to spend considerable time in the trenches, learning about customers and people so that, you know, we could balance bringing the best parts of what, you know, what parts of our global learnings are relevant that we need to bring to the market that we aren't. And then really focusing on how we solve the unique challenges that the U.S. market brings as one of the largest small business markets in the world. So probably under-anticipated that. And so I ended up you know, spending a huge part of the first year getting in and learning. And you know, you've got to be careful of just using experiential leadership now. I think we can just do it this way because often you can go down the wrong path and better to quickly adjust that than do it for too much longer. But you know, while that was a challenge, I've Seen, you know, spent a huge amount of time with our teams picking the spots we want to focus on because you can't win the whole market at once. So I think that was a really big learning. And partnering stronger with our partners on this journey to transfer, form their firm has been super critical. So, yeah, experience is critical. It's, and I think in, the, in accounting, we're always taught, right, you know, experience and how many years, and that is super powerful. But it can also be the downside of you've also got to challenge that experience. And that was my big learning. Sure. Yeah, it's easy to fall into that, particularly when you're passionate about something that you're excited about it and you feel like you know what the individual on the other side needs. And you may, but it's still important to do some discovery. And yes, that's a great lesson. Thank you. Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and say goodbye. What's the best piece of advice that you have ever received? I think the best one that really stood out was there was an executive ambitious and wanting to do lots of things was great. And it was an executive at a, at a very large company and she said to me, what you need to watch for is ambitious people. You're always wanting to grow and get to the next step and do the next thing. And at some point in your time in your career, you'll have certain plateaus and just be okay with that. And, you know, use that as an opportunity to rebalance and, you know, focus on family a bit and, and regroup and reflect or on health and things like those and not always be, you know, not always be on the fast train because it, it'll, it'll burn you out. And if you know that, you can prepare. The second thing I've always thinking long-term, and that lens will always change. So where do I want to be in five, ten years is a hard question. But taking time to think about that and then mapping back the steps that build you out to get there. Not being afraid to take a sideways step or a downward step if it means diversifying out your skill set to go upwards. And probably the best piece of advice I ever got really was just don't take life too seriously and don't take yourself too seriously because, you know, you've got to have fun on the way. <laughs> That's great advice to end this on. Definitely. Well, if I'm just starting my firm or maybe have an established firm and I do want to look into being a Zero partner, where's the best place to go online to find out more? Yeah, so um, go to Xero.com, X-E-R-O.com, and there's a whole lot of information. You can select the option to become a partner. No obligations. It means one of our team will reach out and would love to hear about your firm and what your challenges are and what your opportunities are and where you want to be. And then we'll have someone help map out a plan and let you explore Zero. So that's uh, Xero.com, again, spelled with an X instead of a Z. Beautiful. Well, hey, thank you. I'm sure your time is very scheduled. I appreciate you making time for this. It was a wonderful conversation, and honestly, I learned a lot. Thank you very much. No problem. Thanks very much, Mike. 
Well, that was our interview with Ben Richmond. And I don't know about you, but some of the takeaways that I personally had for this interview were number one, how many just really incredible learning opportunities he had early in his career and how he took full advantage of those. That was wonderful. And then I really appreciate the transparency that Ben had about his own journey transitioning into the software space. You can tell he's enjoying it. And of course, I can't not mention this, the forward fund that Zero has put out there to help individuals with their education. It's very generous and very appropriate for our audience. Thank you very much. I'm glad that Ben made time for this show. I really enjoyed recording it, and I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I did recording it. Don't forget, please do leave us a rating. If you're finishing up the show, just swipe left, swipe right, whatever you have to do. Please leave us a rating. We would love to hear your comments. Well, thank you again for joining us. I'm Mark Goldman, your host for the Where Accountants Go podcast, and we'll see you all next week. There's more to come.